This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, back in the studios. Well, kind of in the studios. My man, DeMond Cotton, he's holding it down in the home studio. I'm in the home studio at the house, at the Casa. I broke my chair earlier today, so <laughs> everything didn't really start off the way it was supposed to, but it's okay. We're holding it down for the next three hours. That's right, we're going three hours long, three hours strong, 2 to 5 p.m. Vinny Bonsignor is at the owners' meetings in Palm, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, Nice little gig, right? I mean, think about that. Vinny's saying, hey, I can't be into the studio because I got to go to West Palm Beach, Florida for the owners' meetings. Not a bad job to have for Vinny. So he's out there on behalf of the RJ, and, of course, he's out there on behalf of Raider Nation Radio 920 as well, holding it down, getting a lot of good stuff. But uh, myself and Damon are going to rock with it 2 to 5 p.m. We'll have Vinny Bonsignor chime in on the show today to give us an update from the owners' meetings as far as it goes when it comes to the Raiders, uh, we'll have other uh, guests coming on talking owners' meetings as well. But very excited to be rocking with you for the next few hours here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Been a very eventful day so far, and we are here to talk about it. Coming off a weekend that was a very eventful weekend that has the whole world pretty much talking about the events that happened at the Oscars, and we'll get to that at some point. I can't believe that I've said the word Oscars and talked about the Oscars as much as I had have the last, like, 24 hours, but... Here we are. So coming up on today's show at 225, our guy Brandon Cristal from KOA in Denver, the radio station. He's going to be – he's actually at the owners' meetings. He's going to chime in and just talk about the overall theme, what's been going on as far as the NFL in general, what conversations is he hearing. Are there a lot of uh, moving and shaking going on? Are, are teams talking about where Baker Mayfield could end up? Are teams trying to make potential trades? Are there – you know, what's going on? When, when we talked to him before, he was at the Combine. And that's where a lot of NFL business takes place. So the owners' meetings are similar to that, but I feel like they're on steroids because you have the owners there, you have GMs there, you have head coaches there. So you have everybody there where at the Combine, some GMs or owners, for that matter, don't really show up. So I feel like there could be a whole lot more accomplished at the owners' meetings. So we'll, we'll pick Brandon Cristal's brain around 225, all things owners' meetings and what is going on in West Palm Beach, Florida. Then at 3 o'clock, uh, we got a lot of great audio from uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. Uh, Heidi Fang and Vinny are all out there at the owners' meetings, and Heidi actually sent over the audio this morning from Josh McDaniels meeting with everybody, and it was crazy. Damon, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I woke up this morning, and you know I wake up very early in the morning, Josh McDaniels was already basically talking, and that's like 5.30 in the morning. I was thinking, man, because, of course, it's in Florida, so it's 8.30 at that time, which isn't really too early, but – I just woke up to getting the, the information and stuff already rolling out, and so I thought, okay, well, I'll have to go find the audio, but good thing for us, Heidi Fang was able to come through with it like the first of the month, so we have a ton of audio. When I'm talking about a ton, I'm talking like 40 minutes worth of stuff, and of course, we're not going to play the whole thing. I know JT was able to get, some to, uh, get to some of it during his show, 
uh, from noon to 2 here on uh, Radio Nation Radio 920. But we'll get to some at 3 o'clock, maybe at 3.15 as well. Then at 3.30, cover three NFL news and notes of the day. We have just little nuggets that have been going on around the league. We'll get to that at 4 o'clock. As mentioned, Vinny Bonsignor will join the show to give us a Raiders perspective from the owners' meetings to tell us exactly what is going on uh, there and what Josh McDaniels is talking about, uh, if he's ran into GM Dave Ziegler, if he's ran into uh, Mark Davis yet. All, all that good stuff will go on at 4 o'clock with Vinny Bonsignor joins the show. And then at 4.30, I don't know if you were listening this morning to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Hondo Carpenter, but the Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson, joined the show to talk about the upcoming draft, talk about what it meant to be a player like he, he was uh, when he entered the league, what the draft meant to him, talk about the Raiders and Josh McDaniels, everything that they have going on, and how surprised he was by the Devontae Adams trade and, and what the Raiders have been able to do this offseason. So we're going to re-rack that conversation. I thought it was a really good conversation. So you'll hear from the Hall of Famer at 4.30 Again, that's the conversation Rod Woodson with Clay Baker and Hondo Carpenter from the morning tailgate earlier today on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got a lot of stuff to get to on today's show, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so this is what it is, man. We got to jump into this part of this conversation, and I was going to bring it up at some point of the show. I wasn't going to bring it up off top, but because Jay Thiz hit myself and Demond up on Twitter and said, I don't know why. But your and Demond the Boss take on the Will Smith Chris Rock slap is the only opening drive I want today. And since we are aiming to please, and since we are here for the people, we cannot deny Jay Fizz his request. So it's funny in our pre show meeting that we were having, Demond said, Well, I want to ask you before before I just bring it up on the air, do you know about the, the slap with Chris Rock and Will Smith? And I'm like, man. My dead relatives know about that slap. Everybody's talking about that damn slap. And I've got my own feelings. I was actually on ESPN National last night when it happened. So I was on the radio live and was able to react to it. And I promise you, it almost took over the whole show. I mean, it really did. And it kind of somewhat had to do with sports because the movie that Will Smith ended up winning an Oscar for was King Richard, which is obviously the, the father of the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, which I actually watched that movie. Certain movies I'm very selective and I'll watch, and that was one I had to make sure that I saw, and I thought it was a fantastic movie. But I've got my feelings on that. I'm still kind of on the fence with how I feel about it. But Damon is a man of combat. Damon <laughs> is a man that appreciates a good fight. Damon is also from the world of wrestling, like WWE style, which this could have been a part of it. So, Damon, I will defer to you off top. What were your thoughts when you saw the slap? It was honestly, Q, one of the best things that Hollywood has ever done. The Moonlight La La Land fa fiasco at the Oscars in 2017, that was drama, but this was... This was entertainment here. This was a slap across somebody's face. Hey, making a joke. You know, people always want to say, you know, Jorge Masvidal, when him and Kobe Covington got into a fight outside of Poppy Steak, it was, hey, don't talk about my kids. And Will Smith had that same energy about his wife because, remember, Chris Rock hosted the Oscars 2016, was talking slick about Jada boycotting the Oscars. That's like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. <laughs> Chris Rock had that joke. And Will Smith, maybe it is like that, yo, man. Remember a couple years ago, like, you know, laugh a little bit, you look at your woman, and you're like, yo, he did it again, didn't he? Like, it's like, yo, I'm tired of this. 
And then in that moment, he had to go defend his wife's honor. And you think about pro wrestling, only thing that would have made it better is if he would have got the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin handcuff, you know, taken away to a police car. But then as he is accepting the award for King Richard, he comes back in the dramatic. Is that Will Smith's music? That's the only <laughs> thing. You know? Okay, so I'm glad that this is the, the, the direction that you're going with this uh, slap. Because me, when I saw it, I, I swore to anyone who would listen that it was staged. Because that was the big controversy, staged or real. And by the conversation that you're having, the sound of it, the, the energy in your voice sounds like you feel like it was staged as well. Would that be correct? Oh, no, I don't think it was staged. I think it was absolutely real. Really? You think it was staged? I still feel like it was very staged. And there's, there's parts of me that think, okay, maybe it wasn't like the LAPD getting involved. I wouldn't think that they would waste the LAPD's time if it was staged. But – after he slaps him, he turns around and kind of has a smirk on his face, almost like he's laughing. Not to mention he laughed at the joke until Jada didn't. It's like she checked him. Uh, plus, in their relationship, I think there's been a lot more to get angry about that he could slap some folks about besides just a joke. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot. And I know that she's dealing with alopecia. I get that. So before anyone texts in and says that I'm insensitive, I'm not. I understand. And I know that it could be a sensitive subject. But remember, comedians say things that are sensitive to get people to laugh. And Will Smith himself laughed when he told the joke. Only time he changed his mind was when he looked over at Jada and she wasn't laughing. So, I don't know. Have I you never had a moment like that? Hey, you man. think something's funny and, and the wife doesn't think it's funny? But I'm already into the laugh. I'm not going to take it back now. You're not going to at least, like, quiet the laugh down? Like, you know, maybe maybe have a second thought? It I just that say, funny? oh, my bad wife, I thought it was funny. And she'll be like, no, it wasn't. Okay, well, hey, my, I'll take the L on that one. But I'm not going to go up and change my mind and all of a sudden go slap a guy because the <laughs> wife got mad that he told a funny joke. Yo, I'm not. I think it was 100 percent real because Chris Rock. I don't know if you watch like all the videos. Oh, I watched every every exactly. one. I from Japan, from yes. Australia, from the uh, the Undertaker, from this person, <laughs> that person. I watched every single different angle possible, and oh man, I couldn't believe it. Saw it on TV all morning long. It's just it's everywhere. And that's why I think it wasn't real because he's like, hey, Will Smith just smacked the blank out of me. Right. And no, he's I, letting yeah. the crowd know Will Smith as he's keeping my wife's name at your effing mouth. He's like, okay. I will, Will. I will. Well, hey, look, I give Chris Rock a lot of credit because if it was real, he kept the party moving. He didn't exactly. – he wasn't – he wasn't, you Come know – Come on, Hollywood, baby. Come well, on, and, and that's – exactly, and that's why <laughs> – I say that it was staged. But, hey, you know what? That's fine. I don't, it doesn't matter if it was staged or real. It does lead me to one of the topics of the day. So it wasn't completely off topic because one of my questions I had for the show today is who is one player who has played against the Raiders that has made you so angry that you want to slap the bleep out of them? And I had to write bleep, so I made sure to censor myself. So let me know about it, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187. Keyword R&R. &R. You know, there's always those guys where if they're on your favorite team, then you love them. If they're not, then you hate them and you want to slap the mess out of them. Or maybe you don't want to slap the mess out of them. Maybe you'd like to punch them. But uh, we don't condone violence around here. We're just saying. We're just suggesting based off of what we saw. So that's all I want to know. That's one of the questions that I have for you today. Who is one player that just always got under your skin that you might just, if you could, you'd slap the mess out of them? Let us know about it again, 702-365-9200. Also, I did want to ask because today is Derek Carr's birthday he's 31 years old today I had to check with how old he was I was about to say 32 he's 31 years old today so if you 
were the Raiders, and you could give him a gift today, and I'm sure everyone's going to say, give him a contract extension. But if you could give Derek Carr a birthday gift on his 31st birthday, his 31st birthday, what would it be? Those are the two questions that I have for you today. The first one I think is going to be pretty intriguing. Who would you slap the blank out of if you could? Somebody that played against the Raiders, not someone on the Raiders. I don't, I don't, no, no team on team violence, okay? Even though I know that there were some players that agitated other players in the locker room. I get it. But anybody who played against the Raiders that you would, if you could, slap the blank out of with no repercussions. And then on a much calmer note, what would you give Derek Carr for his birthday? If you were the Raiders. And I'll say this. When it goes to Derek Carr and his birthday, I think he's already been given a hell of a birthday gift in the name of Devontae Adams. Uh, the Raiders went out there and made the move for Devontae Adams. I think that was a great early birthday gift. That's one of those gifts where back in the day, my mom used to say, well, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? And I used to circle whatever I liked in the Sears catalog or we'd go pick it out somewhere. And it wouldn't even matter. She'd be like, you want me to wrap it? Nope. Don't need all that. Don't need none of that. Just that, I'll take that right there, and we're good to go. And that's what it would be. I think that that's kind of that was already a hell of a gift, as far as I'm concerned, uh, for Derek Carr is picking up Devontae Adams and giving him the best weapon he's ever had since being in the NFL. So that I think that the Raiders already awarded him uh, with a great rewarded him, excuse me, with a great gift. Uh, I'll say this: if I'm adding to the gift, I'm, I'm still in search of a big time right tackle. I'm still in the search of a big time right tackle. Get all the car insurance as possible. You remember. How good Derek Carr was at slinging that ball around the yard when he had that, that offensive line, when he had all those dudes where they, they were the car insurance, right? They had, what, Donald Penn. Uh, they had next to him, they had uh, uh, my guy that came over from, from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, big dude, I forgot his name now, but you know what I'm talking about. Rodney Hudson, he had Gabe Jackson. Uh, man, you had all those dudes on that front line that was the ultimate car insurance. And that's the right tackle position was still kind of suspect at that time, but they still found ways to get it done. If they can get some real deal car insurance, that is another great gift for him this, uh, this uh, offseason leading into training camp and all that. So that, that's a, a gift they've already given them and a gift that they can give them as far as I'm concerned. But Raider Nation, we want to hear from you again, 702-365-9200 and the Sam and Ash text line, 69187 keyword R&R. Colecio Semele, that was the name that uh, I was trying to think of, the right, who was playing the left guard position uh, when he came over from the Baltimore Ravens. Colecio Semele, that's right. Uh, my guy Thomas just said, uh, slap the taste out of Aqib Tlaib's mouth. <laughs> that would be a good one. I bet you Michael Crabtree would co-sign that. He'd be like, hell yeah. No, I but would... he in the same Chris Rock boat. Why ain't you doing it in the moment? Right. I don't want to hear nothing about what he would do. <laughs> right, right. No, hey, hey, facts right there. But yeah, I can see, I can see Raider Nation uh, have, having having their way with uh, Aqib Tlaib or wanting to have their way with Aqib Tlaib. He was one of those guys. Now, again, to my point that I made earlier, he's one of those guys that if he's not on your team, you hate him. But if he's on your team, you love him for every reason why you hate him. It's just for the fact that he's on the opposite team. So uh, that's why this kind of conversation really intrigues me. So, again, uh, and thank you, Thomas, for that tweet. But uh, hit us up, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line to 69187, keyword R&R. Damon, who we got up first, man? We got North Cal Raider on the line. Hey, what's on your mind, man? Welcome to the show. Appreciate you. What up? Hey, you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, um, um, this person's on the team that was on the team for a short time, but I'm going to consider him never being on the team and the person we played against. Um, I'm going to say Antonio Brown. I just didn't like the things that he did, and you know, um, calling out our GM and and then um, you know, you know, saying that his feet got burned and and he just it was just all about himself. And um, that's one person I would just totally just slap him. I just I just <laughs> didn't like what, what I just didn't like what happened. I know he was on our team for a short time. 
but I never really, he never suited up for us. He never yeah. really, never really absorbed our culture or anything. That's one person I would, I would just love to slap. I mean, from that we played against basically, because he did, he did give us a good a beat down a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was 15, 2015 when he, I think he had like a 200 yard game and kept catch like 12 passes that game. That was just amazing. But that's one person I would want to slap. Hey, that's a good one. And yeah, th- thank you for the call. Appreciate you. And I'll say this. Uh, I know that he was technically on the team, but he was never on the team. Like you said, man, he was never part of the, the equation. Only thing he did is show up for camera op uh, moments, you know, and he was late to his press conference and uh, had a bunch of shenanigans and never, ever suited up for the silver and black in anything that mattered, not even a preseason game. So uh, no, he wasn't. And that's, that's a really, really good one. I bet you there's multiple teams, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, including the Patriots, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that would all like to be in the same boat and slap the mess out of one Antonio Brown. I like that, man. Really good stuff. 702-365-9200. Tamon, who's up next? Gangster Raider. Gangster, gangster, what's on your mind? Who you slapping? What's happening, y'all? Chilling. Uh, my thing is, I got two players I want to slap. The first one, I don't know if y'all remember. I know you remember, Q. You remember Christian Okoye? Yeah. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Oh, I used to couldn't stand. It's like we couldn't tackle him for nothing. Like, he just, <laughs> Raiders would just be falling off him as he going to the goal line. That's one <laughs> of them. And the other player is LaDainian Tomlin. Used Ooh. to play for the um, Dischargers. He's like, he's having his best games against us. Like, he's not even that good. You know what I'm saying? But against us, he was like all world. But, you know, I also want to say, remember that um, feature y'all used to have where we used to talk to Hunter Renfro every week? Yeah. Um, can we replace that with, like, one of the OGs, like Raider 66 and Raider Mike, where we have, like, history time, where they come on for, like, 10 to 15 minutes and just give us some history, like, once a week. Like, you know, like, we would never known because when I met Raider 66, he told me all kind of stuff when we was at the Rockstar that you wouldn't believe. And he's like a, a walking encyclopedia of Raider history. I think he can teach other Raiders, you know, as if y'all give them like a little feature or something, you know, on the show until say, in the off season. Then when the season get back, y'all start back up with third and Renfro like y'all used to. What you think of that, Q? Keep it gang something. Go. All right, man. Hey, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's always good to, you know, have some feedback and uh, have a little bit of history time and everything. I'll tell you, I thought the offseason was going to be down and slow, but the offseason has been everything but that so far. So we really don't have a whole lot of time for that. But, I mean, I can see I can see that being a little something-something added to the mix here and there. I, I don't think that would be, that'd be a, a bad thing. I mean, it's always good to know your history. Thank you for that. And when it comes to uh, – uh, who was the players that he, he mentioned? Oh, Christian Okoye. I'll tell you what, ain't nobody slapping Christian Okoye because that dude, he ain't going to slap back. He's going to come after you, man. The Nigerian nightmare. I mean, that dude, he was the guy. He was the, 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 one, the one guy that I really messed up my first interview with him. My, you always mess up an interview at the Super Bowl. This past year, the interview that got messed up, it wasn't my fault, but it was – I forgot who it was. It was a young lady from NFL Network. It was a really good interview. It's like 18 minutes, and uh, it, the whole thing just kind of disappeared. And there's always a moment when something happens. I had a, a co-host that, that uh, the Conor McGregor interview that he did got messed up. Well, Christian Okoye was my mess-up interview. I sat there to the side with a handheld recorder, and I talked to him for about 10 to 12 minutes. Fantastic interview, I thought. Only, only problem is my dumb self didn't press record. I pressed record once, and I was supposed to press it twice. So it never recorded any of it. So uh, I think in my mind it was a good interview. Okoye, he appreciated the interview when we were done, but nobody ever heard it. So, yeah, Christian Okoye, he was a bad, bad dude. And LT, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he, he had record numbers against the Raiders, but he was a hell of a player. He was fantastic, man. So I, I, I know, and I used to tell him all the time when I talked to him, said, hey, man, 
Uh, I couldn't stand you when you were playing with the Chargers because you used to destroy the Raiders, but I uh, had to respect who he was. Man, you know, he was a fullback when he was in high school. He started out as a fullback. Pretty incredible, right? But he's a oh, he was fantastic. So I understand why a fan would want to slap the mess out of him. Let's get one more quick call in. Demond, who we got up next? Let's get Passionate Raider on. Oh, Passionate, what's on your mind? What's happening, guys? How y'all feeling today, man? Chill it, man. Man, I'm out here on this water right now, throwing this swim jig around in the cold. Just blessing God, man. One player I want to smack. Patrick Mahomes, man. I would just, I don't even like to smack him. I just like to flip him in his teeth. Like, you know, you put someone in the ear. It's like, pow! It's because of his cockiness always when he plays against us, man. And he does torch us, man. But, you know what? Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are going to eat that man up this year. There you go. Hey, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Thank you right there. Patrick Mahomes. You know, the one thing is nobody ever wants to smack someone who's not a good player. <laughs> you know, someone who's not really good, nobody ever wants to. That, like that, that bum at the end of the bench that we all call a bum, right, nobody care about him. They're like, oh, that's fine. Let that guy have it, man. He's okay. He's doing bad already. He's, <laughs> he's already doing bad. So, uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I got you. I understand that one. Um, got a text, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. was not the same after Steve, Steve Atwater rocked him. Well, that's a heavyweight fight right there. You're not wrong. That's a heavyweight fight, though. You imagine Okoye and Steve Atwater colliding. That was a wrap, you know. So uh, Steve Atwater, oh, Atwater excuse me, was a bad, bad dude. Um, ooh, this is a good one from Hold East. on, real quick. Yeah. I just looked up the, like Steve Atwater's um, pro football reference page. The Nigerian Nightmare against the Smiling Assassin? Oh, man. Oh, wow. That yeah, is no. a nickname for you. Yeah, no, for real. And that's, like, made for uh, WWE because those two, I mean, those two dudes were absolute dudes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't think anybody would be the same after either one of those cats got done with them, man. But uh, that's why I definitely appreciate that text. That's good stuff. Uh, East Bay Raider Gray has a good one. Player I want to slap right in uh, – player I want to slap in his mouth because I see it too much in Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I think that every Raider fan would feel the same way about that one. Shannon Sharp was that guy that just irked you till no end, right? And now, of course, you see him uh, with Skip Bayless. I never watched that show, but I know he's on there. I never, I never check out that show. It's just too much for me. Those shows are too much for me in general. But uh, I can see, I can see every Raider fan wanting to to slap the taste out of Shannon Sharp's mouth. I still remember that long touchdown catch and run he had at the Oakland Coliseum in the playoffs when he was playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that was that. Terrible, terrible playoff game in Oakland. Never forget that one. That one, man, that one stunk to all. Oh, man, that just that was that was awful. That I still got a bad taste in go, my mouth. Let it go, man. Let it go. I, I can't, man. I can't. I still got a bad taste in my mouth from that game. But I will let it go. We do want to continue to get your text six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Who is a player that played against the Raiders that you like to slap the taste out of your mouth? Let us know about it. Coming up next, Brandon Cristal checking in from the owners the owners meetings in Florida. He's from KO. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got a ton of feedback in that first segment on our show topics that we have, including who is one player who had played against the Raiders that made you so angry you wanted to go Will Smith on him and slap the brakes off him. 
That's the question we've been asking. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Right now, though, joining us on the phone lines is our guy, Brandon Cristal from KOA. He's a reporter there, does radio there in Denver. We appreciate you. You were there at the Combine. Now you're at the owner's meeting. Let me start with you, Brandon. Uh, is there any player that irritated you so bad that you want to go all the way Will Smith on him? I'm going to go all the way Will Smith. And, Q, good to talk to you again. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There's certainly teams, right? When I went to the University of Kansas, I'm happy my Jayhawks are headed back to the Final nice. Four where they belong. I never liked Missouri or K-State, but I didn't really have players right. that I didn't like. And growing up a Cowboys fan, you know, the those Eagles teams with Reggie White and Jerome Brown, they, they would give it to Troy Aikman. But I didn't hate those guys. I don't think I've had a player – that annoys me. If anything, it's been Kansas basketball players that turn the ball over too much. You know, a couple of young point guards that they've had. But in general, no, by the time we're done talking or at some point this week, I will come back around. Who's yours? Um, that's a good question, man. I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to really kind of narrow it down. We've had some great answers in our first segment. Uh, man, I'm trying to think though, who would be mine that I probably couldn't stand the most? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I have to. I have to get. I have to get back to you on that one as well. It's bad when I don't even know the answer right to my own question. <laughs> <Your> own question? <laughs> good stuff. Well, I did have a question about the owners' meetings. It got started today in West Palm. That's a nice location for a job assignment, right? So you're there, no uh, having a good time checking out everything what did you feel like was kind of the theme to day one of the owners meetings well so i'm glad you asked that because i've been talking to a couple other friends of ours from other stations around the country and was actually just talking on tv station back in denver a second ago and and there's kind of a few different themes but none that are really at the forefront uh and maybe because when it comes to rules there's only the one rule change when i say forefront like a dominant topic so the rule change that's going to potentially be voted on, and, and there's no guarantee it gets voted on, it just gets suggested by the, by the competition committee, will be the change to overtime. Had they have voted the day after the Bills-Chiefs game, there's a good chance that rule would have been changed. You know, right. There was still plenty of momentum that Sean Payton was able to drum up for that weird P.I. rule, even though it came months after the Rams and, and Saints NFC title game a few years ago when they voted to change that rule back in 2019, right? But had they voted the next day, it definitely would have gotten changed. So there's that. Then there's a, a little bit about ownership with the Broncos, and, and a bigger theme as it relates to diversity or lack of diversity at really every level of the NFL beyond players, right, whether that's coaching ranks, certainly head coaches, team management, general manager specifically, and ownership. And so the Broncos being the team that's for sale, I talked to team president Joe Ellis, and he told us today that, that he's hopeful – or that the league is hopeful that there will be a more diverse ownership group or owner that buys the Broncos, but wanting it to happen and it actually happening where somebody that, that is a minority can afford the 30%, so about $1.7 billion. It's nice to have that, have that idea, but I, I just don't know how many people realistically fall into, I mean, of any ethnicity that have an extra $1.7 billion lying around and want to spend it or more on an NFL team. So there, there's no lack of interest there in terms of potential buyers, but it's finding the right one. I'm not sure that they're there yet, although he did say they, the Broncos could still likely plan to be sold by the start of the season. And then the other thing, kind of the real overarching theme, or the conversation talking points, and we're about to have a, in about an hour and a half, they have a, a cool event where they invite everyone that's credentialed, including so coaches, GMs, owners, and us media directs, to hang out at the lawn of whatever swanky hotel it's at or this place just off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean 
and have some drinks. The conversation there will be about the March Madness, the real March Madness that we saw this year in the NFL. <laughs> right. You guys experienced it firsthand there with not only signing Chandler Jones, but the trade for Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill leading the division right. and Russell Wilson getting traded in division and some of the moves the Chargers made. I, I just hope this is a sign of things to come and not just a one-off. Right, exactly, and it has been a hell of a march for the NFL. It's overshadowed the NCAA in a major way. Again, we're talking with Brandon Cristal right now on Unnecessary Riffness, Raider Nation Radio 920, and I'm glad you mentioned the diversity because the ownership thing is one thing, but it also feels like what they rolled out with some uh, conversations about having coaches really get trained up on the offensive side of things where there's got to be a, a, a coach of some kind of color or minority on the uh, staff. I, I feel like that they're really trying to press the issue that they want to get these uh, these coaches trained up, and it's not just lip service. Was that a, a takeaway that you had as well? Well, look, th- there's an identification of a problem, which is a good thing right? In, in general, right? You identify a problem, but is anybody that's trying to solve a problem, okay, what's the solution? And so you, you at least applaud the league, Q, for wanting to come up with solutions, not just saying, yes, we need to get better, but trying to figure out ways to do it, and whether that's incentivizing teams that hire minority coaches or minority GMs and and while some people may have an issue with that, it, it is kind of forcing the, the candidate pool to be widened, which I think is certainly a good thing. And then, and then you, you look at, the, to your point, about the offensive coaches specifically forever. And, and Clinton Yates did a great story on ESPN a few years ago. I was with him down at the Senior Bowl, and I was like, what are you doing down here? And, and he was meeting with the Prince Pollard Alliance, and they had the data. And it's gotten better, but we can still name the two or three black play callers in the league or offensive coordinators when you talk about Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich, Pep Hamilton when he's been, you know, in that role. And that's about the end of the list. And that forever black coaches were pushed to receiver coach or running back coach, mm-hmm. not the quarterback coach, which we know is the 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 fast track to to offensive coordinator, which is the fast track to being a head coach, especially in today's NFL. Or they were pushed to the defensive side of the ball, right? Where we've seen Loads of, of black coordinators, maybe not as many black head coaches, but the ones that have come to the league have come from the defensive side. So the fact that they're not only identifying it, but trying to create solutions is a good thing. Is it where it needs to be when you look at the, the makeup of the league between 60 and 70% of it being black players every year? No, it's not where it needs to be. But at least I, I think we'll start to see more black head coaches and more black GMs over time than we'll see black owners, unfortunately. Also because right. there's, there, we know NFL teams don't open up for sale the way head coaching jobs and GMs open up all the time. Right. No, you're, you're right about that. And, again, I, I felt like that was at least, like you said, a step in the right direction of trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, to overcome the issue that they have. Uh, I mean, it's not – I don't think it's going to ever be easy. I don't think it's ever going to be probably the same even level playing field. But at least you can see that there's an effort that they are trying to make. Now, another uh, issue that you talked about was those overtime rules. Uh, I think that it's a, a major overreaction to – 2018, Patrick Mahomes not getting the ball. This past season, Josh Allen not getting the ball. Do you think that that momentum, I mean, how do you feel about the momentum? Do you think it's going to be there to be able to get this thing changed, or do you think it's an re- overreaction as well? It's interesting because you can make a more reasonable argument for, for either case, right? You can make a, a reasonable argument, I guess I should say, versus it feeling like someone was aggrieved. Everyone can say, and maybe it's because it did happen to the Chiefs a couple years ago, you can you can look and say okay they were the beneficiaries one, one way and then they obviously it, it cost them a chance to go to that Super Bowl the year Tom Brady beat them in in Kansas City Patrick Mahomes MVP year and it depends on who you ask because George Payton yesterday when I talked to the Broncos GM 
he was politically correct and just said, after they vote on it, then I'll let you know what I think of it. <laughs> Joe, Ellis today, Joe Ellis today did talk about it, Q, and said that he goes, look, I could see both sides. Should both teams possess the ball? Probably. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. If both teams can possess the ball, great. But Or could you make the case that the defense has a chance to go stop them? This is football. You stop them at some point throughout the game very likely, so why not go stop them one more time? And right. so it's, it's one of those things where – I don't know. The, the conversation today was that it may not even get put up for the vote, that mm. it may not have enough momentum for them to need to vote on it, but it may because the, the competition committee, which was down here for an extra week, slumming it here at, at the Breakers in Palm Beach, they, <laughs> right. uh, they, they, put, you know, they think that it's worthy of being put up uh, for a discussion. And so does it rise to the level of being put up for a vote where it can get 75% of the vote, so 24 of the 32 owners? would end up needing to vote for it. I, I don't know. I, I think ultimately we will see a vote, but I haven't gotten a sense, and maybe I will when I go to this cocktail event here in, in a little bit, have a better sense of if there's real momentum for it. To, to For one of the two proposals, where either both teams get the ball, or if the team that scores first also converts a two-point try, then the game's over. We'll find out if sooner than later right no doubt well after a few adult beverages then maybe the more people will be willing to talk a little bit <laughs> let, let a little bit more uh let a bit, little more go there uh we're talking all things owner meetings right now with uh brandon Cristal here on unnecessary roughness radio nation radio 920 my man demond's got a question for you yeah about that the second of that proposal with the overtimes rule the titans their proposal of hey if you score and then score a two-point conversion the game's over do you really think that that would have any momentum do you have a sense if teams are leaning which way that they want the rule to go with the titans proposal or with both teams just getting the ball do you have a sense on which rule teams would prefer if it did come to a vote of either or well demon this is a very informal poll but it did come up last night there were some GM and head coach types that were around, you know, us, us folks in the media at the hotel lobby bar here. And it was it was kicked around, but kind of the sense I get is no one's really convicted. But I guess, again, the unofficial poll would be they're more inclined that the both, the both teams having a possession because then it, it makes it academic, right? At that point, you say, okay, team A scored, team B, here's your chance. All right, you didn't score, see you later. Right. <laughs> right. And, and that's that. So I think that if they end up putting up for a vote, if it comes to pass, that'll ultimately be like I mean, the voting comes to pass. It, that'll ultimately be the way that they decide if it gets not only voted on, but if one of the rules were to succeed, I think it would be that where both teams get a possession and that's that. You know, there's always a lot of business that goes on at the Combine, and I know there's a lot of business that goes on at the owners' meetings as well. Is there any conversation of where Baker Mayfield may end up or even Deshaun Watson and that massive contract that the Browns decided to give him? Yeah, and, and that's interesting because Kevin Stefanski talked today, and he was literally standing. Uh, it, it was funny, Nathaniel Hackett joked. So I was watching Hackett for a good point, portion of it. One of us saw a little Josh McDaniels. He had a nice crowd around him. Uh, Bill Belichick was there holding court, of course. Uh, but Hackett was right in between Stefanski and Lovey Smith. He's like, I don't know if I really want to be in between Houston and Cleveland. It feels a little awkward. And so I thought, <laughs> based on what we saw in Cleveland, that we might end up seeing some folks in the media, I don't say go after Cleveland, but but go up to Kevin Stefanski and maybe ask some tough questions. Or if Andrew Barry, the GM, ends up talking to, to other reporters from other places, try to you know get a, get a question out there. But I think you saw the press conference. Some people felt that it was a little unseemly. I think I'd probably fall into that camp to, to some degree. And there were national people that were there, certainly the folks in Cleveland. 
they're going to like when he wins games for him, but they don't like the way he's getting to town, right? Right. I, I thought there was more of that today as I was standing there near Stefanski, and there really wasn't. That, that I know nothing overly controversial. And part of it is that Stefanski certainly had a role in it, but he's not the one that can sign off on the deal, right? So he's, right. he's at the mercy of the Haslam's and, and even the GM, Andrew Barry, helping get the deal done. So the, the one thing he did say is he hopes that the Baker situation will be resolved soon. The more interesting conversation, and that's maybe the most interesting football thing of note here right now, is what makes sense for Baker? Where does he end up? Who wants him? And where would Baker be willing to go? Because there's a chance this game of musical chairs will end. There'll be some rookie quarterbacks in, in some places where he thought Baker might have fit, like a Seattle, he was going to battle Drew Locke or even Houston and battle Davis Mills, and then they, none of them seem to be interested, and maybe it's because they don't want to have to pay anything. They'll pay a fifth-round pick or maybe nothing and sign him off the street. But if those chairs keep spinning and he doesn't have one to sit in where we've got a real shot to start, if I'm Baker, and this is something I kind of kicked around and I've heard other people say it too, uh, I would go to Tampa, right? Tom Brady isn't playing forever, we don't think. Bruce Arians is a Super Bowl coach. He's a quarterback-friendly coach. We talked about Byron Lefwich. And Baker could have a chance there to learn from Tom. He'd have to eat a whole lot more humble pie than he's used to eating. Right. Uh, but he certainly can afford to, to buy a house in Florida with no state income tax. He's made enough money. Progressive paid him more money on top of that. <laughs> but, but no one seems to have if, if a couple of those teams that we mentioned, Atlanta being one of them too, if they don't have real interest in them or Seattle doesn't want to bother with them, he may need a little football rehab, and it may come in the form of hanging out with Tom Brady for a year or two, or at least a year. Or the other option, if he does get cut, I think is just to kind of sit back and wait until either a quarterback situation doesn't work out or a guy that a team was banking on doesn't work out and or someone gets hurt and he's got a team waiting for him and they want him to come in and play right away. But, but nobody seems to have a great sense of where Baker will end up because it, it just seems wide open. And if somebody really wants him, they're doing a good job of keeping it close to the vest. All right, Brandon, you mentioned about all the coaches holding court and the crowds that they have attracted. Who's attracted the biggest crowd, and who's the who's been the best at entertaining while you've been down in Florida? Uh, th- there's a few that, uh, to this point, and we'll have a better sense when, when we're kind of all out in, in courtyard kind of settings together. Actually, not too far from where I'm standing. That's why it's a little loud behind me. Uh, the staff's getting ready for this event that starts now in an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, but... Jerry Jones, old court, right? He's always mm-hmm. he's always good. He and Steve are always good for a, a laugh. The the Cronkies are certainly in a good mood. I saw both Josh and Stan, and why wouldn't you be? They're talking about ring design and and what their Super Bowl ring will look like. And John Schneider, he's a guy that doesn't miss a good time either. The Seattle GM, whether it's the Senior Bowl or the Combine or here, you can see John Schneider out having a soda pop or two uh, <laughs> and and getting after it pretty good. So. Uh, maybe I'll be able to report better. You know, our friend Diana Racine from ESPN, who I love, she had a baby uh, right at the start of the football season. She delivered and missed a, a good chunk, or maybe started training camp, a good chunk of the early part of the season. She's happy to be out and about. Uh, saw her last night with some of our ESPN friends and, and hanging out with us here in the hotel lobby. So, you know, and sometimes it's the usual suspects. It's media types that, that have the stamina to, to stay out, have a couple pops, and maybe get to know somebody they didn't know as well or, or cultivate a relationship because you never know who's going to roll in from whatever event or dinner they were at after they left uh, the the hotel where the, everything's kind of going down. And that's why they don't have me at West Palm Beach. I'm just saying because I'm <laughs> I'm that guy. I can hold it down, man. I don't need who needs sure. sleep. Sleep's overrated. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you're in the you're in the, the best city for it, you. So, hey, uh, you I, ain't I, lying. I'm coming to you between 
the draft, and, and then after the draft, you're going to have a Super Bowl. You're going to get the Final Four there. Yep. So you'll you'll get plenty of this, and, and who knows? Maybe they'll do an owners' meeting in Vegas at some point too. Now that there's a an NFL franchise in Vegas, uh, it makes perfect sense that one of those resorts uh, would host would host this event at some point. Yeah, it'll happen at some point, and I'll be ready when it does. If not, I'll just have to make my way uh, out there to, to where you're at right now. Before I let you go, I have to bring it back to the AFC West. You talked about it earlier, the Wild Wild West, March Madness. It's just been, been bananas. What do you make of the division? I mean, you're obviously uh, in Denver, so you're covering the Broncos like a glove. You see everything that's gone on in the division. What do you make of this division as it stands right now? Well, I, I think the comparison to the SEC is fair, right? This right. is the division that's Either you want to be in or you don't want to play. And when you look at, at the additions that were made and the subtraction of Tyreek Hill, but they still got, in my money, the best quarterback. Until someone proves otherwise, they get rushed on to more Pro Bowls and have the same amount of Super Bowl wins, but he doesn't have a league MVP or some of the numbers Patrick's put up. Uh, with where Josh McDaniels, I think, is going to take the Raiders' offense and, and the pieces that they've added with Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and getting the new deal for Max Crosby, the Raiders are going to have certainly plenty to say about who wins the division, the Broncos roster with Russ, and then the Chargers. At some point, Justin Herbert's going to get them to the playoffs. He's too good right. to, to, to keep missing the postseason. And part of it will be, at some point, the Chargers will stay healthy enough. Derwin James will be healthy. Will Khalil Mack have a resurgence? Will Joey Bosa stay healthy? And we know about the Chargers O-line. has been a disaster. I talked to Melvin Gordon about that a few times this year. All the different O-line combinations that he had when he was in San Diego with the Chargers and in L.A., it, it's you know pretty unbelievable what Phillip Rivers had in his last few years there. So at some point, it'll all tie together. And just like I thought last year, the NFC West was going to put all three wildcard teams in, and they almost did, right? They, they certainly put two in, plus the Super Bowl champs. I won't, I won't be surprised at all if we see a year, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next, where all of the AFC wildcard teams come from the AFC West plus their division champs. It, it doesn't seem like that would happen with any other uh, with any other uh, conference or rather any other division in the conference. Maybe if the if the Steelers get their quarterback figured out, but the the AFC West is loaded, and I'm glad that we get to cover it. Right. And obviously, you want to see the Raiders win a bunch of games. The folks in Denver, my kids, who I buy Denver Broncos gear for, they want to see the Broncos. <laughs> All my family in Kansas City, of course, wants to see their Chiefs, and the eight or nine Chargers fans that we know uh, <laughs> still want to see the Chargers win. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. And, of course, it's only March right now. It's almost April, but it's only March, so we got quite a ways to go. And the one player I thought of actually is a basketball player. It's Chris Webber. And not because Chris Webber is fantastic, but he just never won enough for me. He was not a winner. I mean, ever since he called timeout when he didn't have any, he just didn't have those winning traits anymore. So Chris Webber would be well, the guy that I'd Will Smith. I'd Will Smith him. you're going to put – if you're going to put guys like that that disappointed, then there's a lot of names on that list. But Derek Coleman is one for me based mm. on his physical talent. Like, Derek Coleman should be a Hall of Famer and should right. have been a perennial pro bowler. And he just he just wasn't, right? Those guys that you know have the talent that either they didn't love the game enough or it didn't just work out or they didn't approach things the right way, those are the ones that would aggravate me more than uh, a rival. But I'll, I'll, I'll think about it some more. <laughs> uh, or somebody that played for one of my rival teams, and I'll think about it some more, and maybe tomorrow I'll have a better answer for it. Yeah, no, Brandon, we'll, I've got one for you. Ahead. Since we're since yeah. we're jumping to basketball, Mario Chalmers, <laughs> me being from me being from Memphis, when he hit that shot, sure, sure, nice. Oh man, that, that broke my heart. <laughs> I mean, I would have been mad at the Memphis players for missing all those free throws, or Derek Rose for not technically being eligible to play. But uh, folks, <laughs> right. folks that are fans of Kansas can't really throw stones either. With some of some of the uh, trouble we 
we may have gotten ourselves into, but now with the NIL thing, it's all going to go away here. Soon exactly. enough, we'll, we'll be good. But I get it. Mario Chalmers making that three was a dagger. I was at that game. I'm about to be my 15th Final Four in 18 years. Wow. So 18, 18 Final Fours, rather. So That's it's awesome. Be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a good It's going to be a good, uh, a good weekend, and hopefully my Jayhawks, while everyone's talking about Duke and Carolina, take care of Nova and uh, make it to the finals and actually win in New Orleans. Last two times, they lost to Mello. And they lost Anthony Davis. It's actually two pretty good foes. Right. But we'll talk about that later in the week. And hopefully by tomorrow we got some rules to talk about or a rule change. And I'll see if I can get a little FaceTime with my man Josh McDaniels tonight. There you go. Up. I said hi to him. I said hi to him in passing today. I said hi to him in passing uh, in in uh, India at the combine. But I'm I'm planning on trying to steal a couple of minutes to actually talk to him and catch up. So I'll let you know how that goes too. All right, well, Brandon, we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Thank you for giving us so much of your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Enjoy the cocktail hour tonight. All right, thanks. You talk to you soon. All right, brother. There he goes, Brandon Cristal right there, KOA Radio in Denver, covering the Broncos, but covers the AFC West. Does a fantastic job. And, man, he is our Johnny on the spot. He was at the Combine and did a great job reporting for us and, and giving us all the intel and then giving us a load of stuff to talk about from the owners' meetings, and this is just Monday, so we'll have him again tomorrow on the show, same time, 225, talking all things owners' meetings. Of course, we have Vinny Bonsignor, who will give us all the Raider insight from the owners' meetings coming up at 4 o'clock. Coming up next, we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Who is one player who played against the Raiders that make you so angry that you want to slap the mess out of them, similar to what Will Smith did with Chris Rock? Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3 o'clock, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. Remember, we're going three hours long, three hours strong today, 2 to 5 p.m. We're going to have Josh McDaniel, some sound from him from the owners' meetings earlier today, early this morning. The crack of dawn when all of us on the West Coast were just waking up, getting the eye boogers out of our eyes. Josh McDaniels was at the podium spitting facts. Talked for about 40 minutes, so we'll have some good sound from Josh McDaniels coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, threw out a question out there on the Raider Nation listener line and also the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 talking about who is the one player who played against the Raiders that made you so angry you'd want to pull a Will Smith and slap the mess out of him. Uh, got a tweet from uh, Deep Dave, I guess Deep whatever. I don't know. I can't tell what that is, but that's okay. He's a Q. I'd love to Will Smith – Philip Rivers and his 52 kids. You can't 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 slap the kids. Can't can't condone kid violence. But Philip Rivers, I get, and Jackson Mahomes. I would say Ben Roethlisberger, but Richard Seymour already took care of that. That's a good one. That's funny. You can't can't go after Philip Rivers' kids, but you can go after Philip Rivers, no doubt about it. So <laughs> we got to draw a line somewhere. Man. We can't. We we got to show some love to the kids. But uh, I do like the tweet and Philip Rivers. I get it. He was one of those guys that that, that just irritated the mess out of all Raider Nation. Uh, I think I saw a, t- a text message on our Salmon Ass text line talking about Mike Shanahan. No doubt about it. Mike Shanahan, that is a – I mean, that should have been at the top of the list for me because uh, Mike Shanahan was one of those guys that kind of got under everyone's skin. How about we go out to the Raider Nation listener line and talk to our guy, Raider Ron. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing there, Q? Chilling, man. Chilling. Hey, the person I like to slap the most would be like Adam Pac-Man Jones after he was uh, banging uh, uh, Amari Cooper. Josh Jacobs' head. Josh Jacobs' head on the on the turf or whoever it was. Yeah, that was Amari Cooper. That was Amari Cooper back in Oakland. Amari, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Yeah. Now I that didn't that didn't sit well with me, but 
Um, so Adam Pacman Jones, and uh, as far as Carr's birthday present, give him an extension. Got it. Got it. Good stuff. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate you. And yeah, I know a lot of Raider Nation thinks that way about uh, Pac-Man Jones. I remember I was supposed to have him on the show during the Super Bowl, Radio Row, and uh, we didn't get an opportunity to talk to him. And I remember a lot of people said, hey, you can't have him on the show. He he uh, he punked Amari Cooper. And I thought, hey, man, that's really more of a reflection on Amari Cooper than Y'all it was don't even on like Amari Cooper. That's why, I, that's why if you would let me finish, I was saying that was more on Coop than it was on Pac-Man. I mean, Coop should have got up and fought him back, and he didn't. You know, that was on him. But – Hey, I get it. Uh, Pac-Man was one of those guys. I, I respected him coming out of college, though. I thought he was a hell of a player. Uh, but he did have some uh, sideways tendencies. Let's put it like that. Let's go out to Lubbock, Texas, talk to our guy, Tim. What's on your mind, Tim? Welcome to the show. Hey, how y'all doing? Um, I don't really uh, have a player. I was going to mention the Richard Seymour because I really love that time. He, he slapped the crap out of being Ross. <laughs> but uh, uh, my, uh, mine's is not a player. Okay. I would like to slap the mess out of uh, – Marty Schottenheimer mm. and uh, and the old commissioner Roger Goodell for messing us up from getting John Elway. Oh, okay, the old old commissioner. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. There you go. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the uh, the call right there. <laughs> and uh, that that Richard Seymour slap on Big Ben that was funny, man. I I, re- I remember that like that was yesterday. I promised I was watching that game, and I thought it's just like I said, it's so stuck in my memory. I don't think you can ever forget that moment, and probably the look. I mean, if you could really see into Big Ben's uh, helmet when it happened, like, did he just do what I think he just did? Yeah, he did. All right, thank you, Tim. We appreciate that. Uh, Go back out to the phone lines real quick. Let's talk to Fargo Raider. Fargo, hit us. What's on your mind? Hey, Kevin DeMond, thank you for taking my call. For sure. I'll have to say, if I was going to Will Smith somebody, it'd be Randy Moss, man. Never a Raider. And I hated that he quit it on us like he did and then still had the nerve that he said that it was because we'd never win. I'd go on for days, but Randy Moss, man. And uh, we should thank Pac-Man Jones because he showed us what Amari Cooper really was, man. <laughs> a, scared, a scared little boy behind the helmet that should have never had that shield on, his, on the side of his head, man. That was disrespectful to the nation that he didn't get up at least say something. And then on that note... Um, Crabtree did try to try to throw hands, man. He took his glove off and he sweat or his helmet off and he swung. But Akeev, you know, he's just a he's just a chain snatch and run type. He wasn't trying to get that action, man. And last <laughs> little tidbit right here, I saw somebody put this up on uh since we're talking about Will Smith, the Will Smith uh, saga going on. Um, if this is how mad he is in March, imagine how mad he is in August. <laughs> Thank you. <I> <laughs> I heard that one before, too. That was a good one. There were so many of those that were going out yesterday on Twitter. And anyone who doesn't know, he's talking about August Alsina. That was the, uh, that was the, the artist that Jada uh, had her, her, um, her time with. Let's put it like that. And that was part of the – Entanglement is what she said. That was, yeah, entanglement. That was part of the, the red table conversation. And See, that was why – and I don't want to get in, in deep into this. That's why I couldn't understand why Will Smith was flipping out on Chris Rock because all of their business has been in the street. And that all started at that red table. So, I mean, all their business has been out there more than Chris Rock had been talking about. I don't know how many times Will Smith or Jada's name has been brought up in a hip-hop song. But he decided that this was the moment that he was going to go ahead and defend his family like King Richard. I, don't Like I said, don't let me get going, man. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm just saying. Sounds it's a little, like you do. No, it's a, it's a little suspect to me. I'm just saying. It's a little suspect to me. 2.59 is the time when we come back. Josh McDaniels, he talked at the owners' meeting this morning. You'll hear from him next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.